Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One of the most frequently discussed and mentioned facts of time is change. It's a broad topic, so today we're taking a random course. I'm sure we'll come back on another day with another episode to discuss more of it. We'd like to start this episode off with a quote from one of my favorite animated characters, Charlie Brown. And he says, Happiness is anyone and anything loved by you. Okay, so given given the topic which is generational changes i did do a little research to check if something um you know new has come about um academically professionally and economically so much is happening and has happened um amidst this genius of time if i may call it that one of the most talked about differences between generations is the sense of loyalty that the world associates more with baby boomers and not so much with the younger generation So um I would like to hear your take on that. Uh I can certainly start first. I agree with you and I guess coming from the the baby boomer generation uh when we left school we were looking for jobs and um and such that would last a career. So you were looking at decades rather than months of work and uh i think over time you start to identify that that's not realistic in today's world and that young people like yourself have to be adaptable to change and uh go and do where the work is also well in regards to the loyalty sense again uh, there i've um, as i read through articles there were some positive takes on them being less loyal to jobs and and people and having a reason to do everything uh beyond just creating goodwill so um so how do you think that's going to pan out eventually because as, as we're we've gotten into the digital world there's lesser connection with people um the more we get into it and for each generation that's been coming out You know, I'm going to disagree right. with you. Yeah, I I might disagree with you a bit there. Um I think that we have more of an opportunity to connect um uh, on a number of different fronts. Now maybe we people come into your life and go out of your life for different reasons at different times. Mm-hmm. But look at what we're doing right now. We're having a conversation you at one end of the city, me at another end of the city, rant your mother right across the world. uh that is connectivity i would never have expected uh you know almost four decades ago when i started my career so i think there are fantastic opportunities uh that are available to learn about people to make connections we would never have made before true honey you were saying something ha <laughs> Um yeah so um I know I'm going to be representing the millennial faction over here <laughs> so um so what I feel is uh, you know millennials we are 
very misunderstood when it comes to loyalty mm-hmm. uh, you know we are stereotyped or uh, job hopping mm-hmm. um which in a way is true but you need to understand where this entire loyalty stems from right what is the uh, reason behind it i mean um, speaking from experience and you know getting mentored by you know baby boomers and uh, the gen xers mm-hmm. um i say um for some reason i feel that you know they're satisfied with what they do um so they've gotten into this comfortable zone which is why they don't want to you know leave a particular job i don't think it is more you know loyalty as a, opposed to you know them feeling comfortable in the same thing i'm sure you know steve might disagree with me but this is my perspective of uh, what i felt when i you know in, uh, was interacting uh, with my mentors and um Uh, mentors and teachers and um, i and i also think you know uh, not everybody uh, you know we speak of inclusion and diversity but not everybody is very keen on you know this uh, age inclusive factor which i think might be one of the reasons why you know baby boomers um or the gen xers tend to stay with a particular company as opposed to you know job hopping uh for us you know millennials uh, what we seek is um job satisfaction and growth and you know we seek some kind of purpose and validation and some kind of fulfillment at work and this again um this purpose it's st- it, it stems from you know different uh, phases of our lives you know maybe we want money maybe that is the driving factor so which is why you know if something out there is paying you better for the same skill set obviously you would tend to hop right and it's not just money right there are different motivational factors uh, for us to feel this you know sense of purpose and fulfillment at work it could just be position um, maybe it's not challenging enough for uh, what you have studied or you know maybe it's just mundane work and you want something more challenging in life um and, and just the opportunity to grow and uh this is a, uh i think this is where you know the others uh, the uh, older generations would disagree with me i don't know uh, at least this is what i feel when i do uh, job hopping it is more for opportunity to, to grow um rather than you know money or uh, something else uh oh. for me i have seen in my job like you know there are dinosaurs and fossils just sitting there for 10 years 20 years they're not <laughs> you know they're not letting us go beyond that point i mean yeah you have a senior uh, person already you know managing your team so where do i fit in over there so maybe <laughs> if i job hop i can actually get that opportunity right so yeah, yeah i would say um, you know we are very misunderstood um our uh, uh i don't know the uh, we seek the sense of purpose and fulfillment mm-hmm. and i think if that is met um i don't think uh, you, you know we are going to be disloyal to anybody and again when i say uh, when you talk about loyalty i think it should be to uh, people rather than workplace and this is something that i believe because at the end of the day there's so much talent in the world and there are so many people out there who are better than you so you are you need to remember that you are always you know indispensable uh, sorry yeah, yeah i think i said that wrong <laughs> but yeah yeah the thing right okay um, well so, yeah that that's what i feel um i think we are really misunderstood and uh, we actually go for uh, satisfaction job satisfaction and growth rather than you know um, sticking to 
um, a workplace because we are comfortable in that. Loyalty was a very prevalent concept back in those days, and you know, I think a lot of things in life revolved around uh, loyalty mm-hmm. because that was the core essence of being those days, right? It was more about the human interactions. It's more about how much of trust you place in another human. Um, today, it's more about the quality of the transaction that you do. So whatever you do, if you do it well, and uh, if you have uh, the foreseen result, then your trust starts building from that point onwards, right? So you literally have to come up with a result which is good and which you have predicted and then your uh, trust factor starts to grow whatever it can be probably it can be something as simple as friendship it can be as uh, something as uh, as simple as a small business transaction yeah but back in those days i think it was completely different because people really had that faith in humanity in another human even even with unknown people like even with strangers right so yeah i think back in those days uh life was different and loyalty was important okay all right so i'm going to take this one now to uh, padma uh, well i believe that um, you know loyalty is something which is i think it's more individual rather than i wouldn't really put it down to a generational cohort so to speak and i do believe that what hanin is saying is right it needs to be more driven by a sense of purpose by a sense of adding value to whichever organization that you're working with or where you're connected and also definitely it is linked to the kind of people that you have around you because if you do feel that you're stifling others or you are getting stifled i don't think anyone would like to be in that situation so dinosaur or the baby it doesn't matter <laughs> but um, you know you you definitely would tend to i believe go out of it and uh, when it comes to the generation perhaps i think there is yes a little bit if i look at the seniors uh, who are there i do believe that we do tend to have a little bit more loyalty to the hand that feeds us so you know especially i see that in both india and the us places that i worked uh, not so much in the uk or europe um not so much in uae either but uh, singapore definitely yes so i believe that this is um, you know this is something which is possibly going to be there across uh, our generation where we believe that yes if somebody has given you an opportunity to be in a job you will test it out you will try and see how you can return that value to the organization you will try to build that uh, value proposition so to speak for the organization and uh, in so in doing that you kind of redeem your own self worth your own uh, self image so i think that's a very very important point you know so uh, yes i do see that the younger generation uh, i would call them more the generation wise i think who would really tend to hop a little bit more uh, mobility has increased um in fact in the it industry of which i have been a part for the last about i think uh, 25 years now um yeah close on 25 for the it industry alone i have mm-hmm. seen that you know people don't stay in this generation for more than 18 months to 24 months and um, then they they start moving and uh, that becomes a problem for us especially when you're taking them fresh out of college with or with very minimal experience 
there's a lot of onboarding that one needs to do you're investing so much of time so much of effort so many of the senior people are putting in their uh, um, you know the entire heart and soul into this and budding up with that person and helping to groom him mm-hmm. and then uh, so and that takes about 6 months before he really hits the ground running and then within a year after that the person is leaving you know and already once he thinks of leaving actually that is too long right so let's say that about 12 months from the time that he's joined he's mm-hmm. already thinking of leaving so i effectively as an hr head i would have only about maybe 6 months to be able to actually get back that roi that return on investment in him mm-hmm. and that becomes a little disconcerting so which is why now what we are saying is we would like therefore not to go in for people where there's going to be a longer onboarding time i'd rather take a person who's already at least i know that he knows something and he can hit uh, the profit um, or the productivity market a little earlier so that is the way in which we think as far as the point that honey had made that you know um, people who are uh, the dinosaurs are still <laughs> stuck in organizational chairs mm-hmm. um yes i'm sorry that that is true <laughs> but i think that's also because we probably um, are still adding value and you got to you got to admire that because i think the fact that you know we have been i've been in industry for over 40 years now this is my 41st year and if i can still consider that people would uh, find me valuable enough to hire me or have me in that chair there is definitely something that i'm doing right i'm not bringing the practices of let's say 1980 into 2020 but i'm definitely able to adapt why am i able to adapt that's my mindset because i understand the world is changing around me i've seen it changing through let us say the industrial revolution through the digital revolution through year uh, uh, you know 2000 y2k i've seen so many changes the dot com bust for india you know things that have happened i have been able to adapt and change and and also get acclimatized to things which are around me i don't think the younger generation has that patience so i'd like I to stop at that and allow others to react because i think i kind of i'm probably kind of ignited the volcano right now so i'm waiting <laughs> I see Steve no. smiling when you said the yeah, younger I, generation has a challenge with patience. <laughs> but it's true. But I, I, mean, I, I do agree. Yeah. I, I do actually, agree with the patience. Actually, bit, yeah. sorry, just a minute. It's actually getting worse, sir. By the way, why do um, the Gen Y is I think still uh, much better than the Gen Z. And if you see the Gen Alpha, the people who are, you know, let's say with the age group of about six to fifteen, or, or in fact, I would say below ten right now, yeah. and uh, I think they are the people who are really they want everything yesterday. My my grandchildren, for instance, right? They are not going to be happy with anything that they have to wait and and see why things are not working. I mean, the minute the button is pressed, it should have come on. What's yeah. wrong with this? And get a new one. <laughs> It's like that. Yeah, go ahead. It, it it is sort of amazing to um to hear your perspective because I feel the very same way. Um I just recently retired from full-time work and I'm only 58 years old. Uh but my phone hasn't stopped ringing because I've built and maintained a very strong network so I can choose what I want to do. And as I've said to Pally all the time, and I've tried to mentor her here, here in Canada, and um, she listens, uh, is that you work at a place and you get all you can out of it. 
And if you're no longer satisfied, it is imperative in you to make that decision and find something else. And I have to admit, she's inquisitive and is always asking questions. And and I feel like she's sort of like this adopted daughter I have here in Canada. Uh, and and I, I think it's important. But to say that one generation over another, that that paints a broad brush, almost a stereotype. And while there are traits inherent with each generation, strong people who believe in themselves, who want to contribute, will always be successful. I, I was told many years ago by a mentor of mine that I needed to proclaim my rarity. And what I interpreted that to be was to be the best at what I'm doing and do it better than anyone else. And as you can do that, you will succeed. And she will succeed as a result of that by trying to be the best she can be. Thank you. Going ahead with um, our second question. Steve, you did mention this early on about technology. And uh, Pedama, you did as well. So here, um, based on what, at least my understanding of it, it seems that the ability to you know, filter the influence of the Google and YouTube world and social media itself um, is, is getting thinner and thinner as we go along with every generation. I, I, I feel that maybe the millennials have, uh, and yeah, the millennials have like a 60-40 ratio. Some of them are able to f- figure out that balance, but some of them are too consumed by it because they want to uh, stick on to the race and stay with it. So um, how, do you, how do you empathize with this or, or if, if, if it's gone that bad? I think it's wonderful. I mean, I think information that's available, technology that's available to you today uh, is life-changing. I, I, when My first job was in a radio station uh, right out of college. I worked on a typewriter using carbon paper. And <laughs> today I can process information so quickly, so efficiently. What's available at your fingertips today uh, is, I think, makes things so much easier. Now, on the other side of that is maybe we don't spend the time and energy to completely research something and comprehend it the way that we did before. But there's no doubt in my mind that this Google generation, um, you can find your facts at your fingertips like that. Right. I mean, there's definitely the advantages uh, to it, but isn't it, uh, hasn't it gone way out of control in, in a sense that when it comes to at least communication, something as basic as communications and relationships, um, it's, it's all digitalized. I mean, there's the one-on-one interactions have kind of the judgments of it have also become based on social media accessibility. Of well, people. It, 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 it is the problem I see is, well, especially here in Canada, is is almost the cocooning of children. I mean, when I was a kid, we went outside and played. And when the streetlights came on, we came home. Uh, and so we made our relationships. We lived our lives. We had ch- took chances that we would never take today. And I think that, that you know, parents need to expose their children to a number of different things outside of online tools to help them grow and develop and build relationships and understand that and whether that's activities or that to get them away from 
everything at their fingertips and social media being the complete influence because as we have seen through political campaigns and through news distribution, there's a lot of things that can be manipulated by social media that, um, that don't give you a complete perspective. Please go ahead. Um, honey, mom, and Padma. Okay, let, let, me, let me carry on from what Steve said. And I completely agree with you, Steve. I think technology has been amazing. Uh, in my lifetime itself, I have seen this huge change. And I believe the change can be attributed a little bit to the kind of like multiplexity of media that is impacting us today. Um, I remember the time that I was in school or even in college, we used to have one television channel and that was largely what we call in India, Doordarshan, right? Just one channel. And most of it was blank the whole day at 6.30, it would start on with something for the farmers called Krishi Darshan. And that was it. And then on one day in a week, we used to have some songs. Then that was all, right? And we used to be hung onto that one hour in the evenings or, you know, a Sunday evening movie and things like that. Right. Today, I have a choice. I have a choice of over a hundred channels just sitting there. Why hundred? If I then go to the OTT platforms and, and count all of them, including the international media, I have over 500 channels, which is available to me, not only on the television, but across every single screen. Right. So it makes it it makes it uh, it's a demand on my time. It's a demand on my mind. And because of that, uh, and also because of this war between channels, right? I mean, you have news channels. It's not just one news channel, which you could depend on to yeah. tell you the truth, because that used to be at that time, at least run by the government, right? We had Durdash. And, but today, the kind of, you know, um, I would say, in fact, it would be more than a scandal mongering that happens between the channels itself makes me really have to, uh, I need to ratify everything that I hear and do double quick, Right. Um, that's one. And I also agree with you, Steve, when you spoke about children and the fact that the screen has monopolized the way in which they interact. In fact, I always say that the younger generation, even those coming into um, into offices today, have learned to communicate with the screen better than they have learned to communicate with people face to face. And therefore, soft skills are actually missing. They just don't know empathy they don't know emotion they cannot really connect one to one you know and that is a huge problem because how do you build teams how do how are you able to then build that that normal etiquette they say what they want to say because they believe they're saying it flat off the shoulder but sometimes discretion is the better part of valor and one needs to be able to you know be a little humble and you uh, you know have that humility about you even when you're giving feedback or receiving feedback i often see that that does not happen and the other thing that I wanted to say is that, you know, um, when I and I do teach, as you all know, I do teach on weekends as well. And I see some of the other faculty, they still are going by concepts and textbooks and doesn't matter if the textbook is, you know, 30 years old or, or it's been written by, let's say, Philip Kotler. Right. I mean, he's written a text which we are still using today. He's written it sometime in 1989 or something. And we're still using it today in the. But I, I, I asked the faculty, I said. Do you really want to go by the concept? Because the students today have Bing and Google and everything, all the search engines. They can hunt for that concept. What we need to teach them is the application of that, whether it is at all applicable, first of all. And what are they seeing around us? So I think we need to go more into case studies, have them keep their antennae open to be able to look at the world around, which is not the way in which we were taught. No. 
So if teachers do not adapt themselves to the needs of this generation using technology or understanding technology, like there was this famous thing, right? That we used to, I think about five to six years ago, all of us teachers used to say, do not bring mobiles into the classroom. What do you today say when the classroom is in the mobile? Yeah. You know, so you need to be able to accept that that medium is today a part of that education. And how do we then consolidate our teaching using that? So whether it is a quiz that you're doing online or having them doing research right there in the classroom online, let them play with it. Let them let them understand that subject from all their nuances. And actually, the teachers can learn more from this generation because of their access and their, I would say, their amenability to uh, modes of instruction, which are different from the way in which we are, we have had. So technology has been both, uh, you know, an enabler as well as I think a constraint for many things. Um, and we need to be able to open ourselves up. We need to go beyond the, you know, the 12 times tables and the 13 time tables and things like that. And I think we need to allow children to flower in whatever the their today and their tomorrow can be which we have no idea about. I don't even know, for instance, during the pandemic, I have no idea of the kind of tomorrow that is going to be there. I keep talking of the new normal. I don't even know what today is. Forget about new normal. We haven't normalized yet. So what are we talking about? You know, so I, I think that we need to be a little aware that there is a quick um, speed of change. The pace of change is so fast. People need to know what it is. And that's where technology helps. Allows people to understand their tomorrow and what they can do today to be able to be ready for that tomorrow, which um, I believe is a huge benefit, but we need to live with it and get on with it. That's what I would like to say. Um, as baby boomers, I think uh, we were very, we have been a, generation which has adapted to many uh, this technology and everything we have learned in the years um, in the these people uh, the younger generation I'm sorry to say that but the younger generation uh, are uh, very mechanized very mechanized and uh, even when they speak um, there is a the way they speak is um, very electronic, if if you understand what I mean. You see, there is uh, there is there are no uh, commas, there are no uh, full stops, there's no uh, you know colons. It's just very very robotic the way they speak. And uh, although yes, we also went through that in our generation, we were also told, but it was more uh, uh, a better connectivity rather than this. Uh, electronic way of uh, speaking and uh, plus um, the adaptive adaptability was uh, great in our uh, generation I think what do you say um, what is your opinion about it we think don't you think oh of course we've had to adapt and, and one I think you did a wonderful job raising your daughter because she has those skills that are wise beyond her years but it is, again, you have two ears and one mouth. So you should be doing twice as much listening as you do talking. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
I think Lika auntie and Steve and Surya auntie covered most of what I was thinking. But uh, here's my take from a millennial standpoint. So um, I think we are the first generation to see the boom in the industry, smartphones, the social media, and we were the early adopters, right? Uh, you know, when you actually uh, do the bell graph of uh, product adoption, we are like the early adopters of all these platforms, different platforms, and we started off, uh, you know, adopting these social media pra- platforms as a means of communication to know what your friends are doing and you know if they have gone somewhere, uh, you know, um, just just to stay in touch. but over the period of time i guess um you know we got so consumed by the social media platform um um i i think this is where i think we are going to go uh, dark side right like apalavi was saying some of us are really consumed but some of us are uh, trying to get out of uh, this entire thing uh, so we need to understand wh- uh, wh- why this entire thing happened is it you know a big i i think the main uh, evil is validation um i think we do not believe in ourselves we do not think um uh, that you know we are enough for ourselves and we actually spe- uh, seek validation from others uh, i think it's okay to seek validation i think as human beings we are always seeking validation whether it is at work or you've done a fantastic job and you want to be appreciated for something like that but i think you know uh, social media has consumed some of us to an extent where uh, you know you're, you're posting a selfie or you're posting a picture of you know your coffee early in the morning so why are we doing it um obviously right because you want some kind of flattering comments about your photography skills or you know a certain amount of likes so you're constantly on that thing seeing oh my god did i get the likes that i wanted uh, does uh, do people like um, um how i'm um Uh, you know uh, do, do people like what i'm uh, trying to share and i i think there's a constant pressure uh, pressure of you know fitting in with uh, the new generations and the new technology that is adopting uh, that are uh, out there and adapting to those new technologies i think that is what you know people have consumed i think the biggest fear is the fear of missing out on something and that is why you know uh, even though they do, uh most millennials right now are trying to come out of this entire you know social media platforms um because we don't want to miss out i think we get uh, you know we go back to it and again there there are you can't you know necessarily uh, you know just boycott the entire social media because uh, there is a ton of information that is actually going to be useful and i think the dif- uh, the what you can do is you need to balance it out you know affirmation uh, versus validation uh, okay you 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 have certain uh, skill set and you want some kind of feedback and you are putting it on social media it's going to reach uh, millions of uh, people and not just you know your uh, friends so you get perspective of uh, per, uh, you know you get their perceptions and their perspectives of what they think um, of what you're posting and your feedback and whatever that that's really fine i mean you can um, you know Uh, if you have the growth mindset you can actually take that feedback and you can turn it around into something amazing uh, but there's a thin line between you know actually going onto social media for affirmation as to uh, you know it it becomes an unhealthy obsession where you're actually only seeking validation mm. well social media is one of the most uh, innovative ideas that mankind has ever come up with uh, to connect people Uh, across the globe 
who can't make it uh, physically to the, to that place or that point um something virtual like this is i think one of the greatest inventions of mankind mm-hmm. and uh, technology yes uh, how 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 do i see it going in uh, or like how do i see it in future it's, it's very simple uh, as people have always said uh, too much of anything is not good mm-hmm. right so as long as technology plays a role in people's lives which is not more important than their life themselves uh, then i think it's okay and uh, in a way it's good because we have a lot of access to things that we wouldn't have had if there was no technology and all of the social media that we use today right um so, so yeah i i would i am for it of course uh, but considering that you know where to draw a line but doesn't it seem that generation z and generation alpha have kind of lost that ability because we can't even say they've lost it because they were born into an age of um a digital age so uh given their situation they don't have uh, a world wherein they communicate outside of it everything starts and ends with technology so and their life and every moment of their life is saved on technology right so the uh, i would say that's the process in evolution right because when you and i were born uh, we would use uh, electricity to cook or we would use uh, a gas stove to cook right but if you take the 100 years before we were born probably that wasn't even there and there was no light even a lot of places didn't even have light so i think it's it's good that it's a it's a part of the evolution process uh, that the people uh, the kids of these days this generation uh, being born into social media utilizing it um i feel the best way to go about it is to structure the usage of social media mm-hmm. or technology so that it can benefit in every point of a person's life uh in the present and in the future okay yep. so with third question which is to do more about art uh, music and um the the emotions that um call for expression then there's so much of it in in the current times and over the generations um uh, there's been a variety of it and um which is needed which is definitely needed to bring people together in a way um so steve with how do you how do you relate to that and what what ha, what have you connect what type of communication in that sense have you communicate um connected with rather well um art and music are they, they help you to emote feelings and memories uh i can listen to a song uh from the 70s and i'm back in high school i can hear something that we used for my wedding i can i can hear something that reminds me of of people i've lost i can look at a picture and i can see a place i've been um the arts community and i have two sons that are very active in in those communities um you know i've i've always encouraged it because uh, i think it's important i think it's much more difficult today for artists uh to find platforms to be able to get their material seen uh listen to or that the 
you know, the, the music industry is, is much different today than it was before. And people can do it themselves. And you see people generate followings on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok, and, and they become stars that way. Uh, so the generation of the music of the 60s and 70s will probably never be replicated. But then again, with the the throwback to nostalgia, you never know. Padma and mom, Ani also. So let me let me react to what Steve said. And I completely agree. For me too, I think music, um, especially of the 70s and the 80s, are most memorable, right? Because they are attached to incidents. They are attached to people. They are attached to probably experiences that are there. They speak to me. And also, um, you know, there is a, well, to my mind, there is a, there is a fineness in the music and the words. I love the country music of those times, right? But if I listen to music today, I first of all cannot understand the words. Secondly, I cannot understand the language. I don't know why they use language like that, right? It's not okay by me, right? So I, somewhere I have a filter which doesn't allow me to listen to music like that properly, right? When I look at painting, it's the same thing, right? I can always admire Michelangelo. I cannot understand the modernist, modern uh, impressaros that they are today, right? I just don't understand what they're trying to say. So mm-hmm. to me, I think... Um, I'm going to be very rude when I say this. So, honey, please excuse me if you're one of those who listen to music like that. But I think, you know, um, they call it heavy metal. They call it rock. To me, it's nothing but rock and, and you know, vessels, which is actually clanging and, you know, being thrown at, at glass windows. To me, I just cannot identify with this. And my nephew is in the music industry. Mm-hmm. And while I have to tell him that it's fabulous, it's absolutely amazing, I actually do not understand it at all. (laughs) I just have to say that. So I say it is absolutely wonderful. And then I have to speak to my sister and say, by the way, what were the wordings there again? Can you please let me know? Because I really haven't understood a word of it, right? There's so much of clanging. I, I don't understand the symbol overtakes that, the drum overtakes that. Somewhere in the background, there is some kind of a voice that there is. So it has no meaning to me, right? That, that is, that's the way it is. But yes, I like the fact that there is a revival of some sort, especially when you look at Indian music. You are finding that there is a very strong strain of classical music that is coming back. There is also these, um, what do you call it? The, um, you know, when the music fusion. is... The fusion. Yeah, the kind of fusion that there is and and also the way in which, you know, there is a, a new rhythm that is being built to the same song again. Um, a new person singing it, for instance. So I think, I think remix. all that is really nice. <laughs> yeah. The remixes and, also. Yeah, the remixes. The remixes which which are coming up, right? But other, other than that, I just do not really identify with the music of today, which I think is good because if I did understand it, I don't think I would approve of it. But fusion, fusion is not fusion is not really new. If you think back to the '60s, the yeah. Beatles were heavily influenced by Indian music at that point and incorporated it into some of, of of their thing long before. And and in our world, because of uh, of of people moving to different countries and immigration, uh, the great joys of my life are the influences from different cultures. 
in our country. Yeah. If, if, you know, you're probably all going to laugh at me at this one. But if someone said to me, what do you want to go out for dinner for tonight? I'll say, like, let's go get Indian food. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, we wouldn't laugh at you at all. I would appreciate your good taste. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah with this um, music, uh, the old music, you know, there was uh, a lot of passion and there was, uh, life was simpler. So, you know, the, the wordings were also so much um, connected to the um, lifestyle those days. Nowadays, there's a vast difference between that, uh, those days and now the music is totally different it's all rock and uh, um, even the dances if you see it's only a uh, break dance most of it is break dance even Indian movies have started with this uh, break dance and even it's real reality shows so uh, dance music culture painting everything has changed changed it's I guess is I, I agree I understand that because what is appreciated more by the by the masses is mostly this classical yes. forms of dance and classical forms of music is kind of uh, it, it doesn't catch their attention it's more for a selected group of people which is um, fortunately or unfortunately I guess lesser in margin than the what is mostly appreciated <laughs> um, right now yeah right yeah. absolutely well, I think it suits the people of this generation who enjoy that genre of music because, see, if you're okay with people wearing uh, stolen clothes, and if we call that fashion, and if we say it's the present generation thing, then I think we should be okay with whatever noise they're creating and they call music because it's no different. They're just living it in the way they think is right. Um, that's about it. It's Previously, we had something called as a pattern to music. It has to have a certain type of a flow. Uh, it, it had to be organized. It had to be a specific way. There had to be a tone to it. Probably, we've evolved from that, right? So, uh, I don't find anything wrong with today's music. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, for, for people who enjoy today's music, it's good for them. And if you don't, it's okay. You can just let the people enjoy, <laughs> whoever enjoys, you can let them enjoy it for themselves. I feel music and art is a very, very personal thing. And most people, um, at least in you know the Gen Y, the millennials, we perceive it as a spiritual connect and a spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to talk about the art uh, first because I do enjoy art a lot. Um, I think, you know, millennials focus more on experiences and they seek some kind of connection with the art. Um, and, and I think, you know, the social media platforms, they have, um, uh, they have actually, um, uh, you know, uh, what do I say? Um, they have actually encouraged a lot of artists to come out. Um, right now, you know, in the olden days, I, f- I feel like, you know, art was something that was only owned by the rich people. You know, they had certain styles and they would go and buy these uh, beautiful paintings, maybe by Picasso or uh, Da Vinci or whatever, right? Like all those famous established artists. Uh, but right now we have a lot, lot more artists coming up. And uh, they have their own form of expression and which is why uh, there's this uh, entire trend about, you know, Zen tangles and 
uh, you have mandala art and you're just coloring uh, things just for you know calm and peace um i think Uh, art and music itself is being used as a spiritual uh, mm-hmm. thing you know maybe to bring peace to yourself or just to express yourself right yeah you 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 fi- you have uh, you know these anger issues so you go and you know just scribble something and that actually becomes art and people are appreciative of that because they can actually see that emotion and they can connect with that and um yeah you know sometimes they look like scribbles but there's so much the artist is telling and i actually see this and i really enjoy going to uh, you know these modern arts and you know just paint pouring itself the way they pour it there's there's so much expression that you can understand from them so i really connect with it and uh, because um, uh, and i do you know kind of uh, collect art as well uh so i i think again this is like a very personal thing uh about what is speaking to you as opposed to you know uh, okay some people i mean they don't even care for art right uh when i say art it is you know fine arts uh coming to music again uh like i said music um i think music for this generation depends on mood and we do not have you know loyalties like hey you know what we're going to stick with this band um we uh again there's a huge uh, influence of social media on our musical tastes and uh, again it comes from the families that we have grown up with um you know my mom and uh, my mom used to uh, listen to all the old gantasala songs and so i do you know like the old songs you know the black and white movies and motion pictures and everything whatever uh, we had back then so i really love the old songs but uh i do like the edm generation this uh you know, generation as well because you know i'm go- i'm going to a pub and you know i, I just want to let go and let loose and i just want to dance so the edm music the beats in it that's actually speaking to me and uh, the, that actually re- uh, the rhythm is actually speaking to my heart and you you can actually you know lose yourself in that and you can um you know dance all day and not just that right you have the trance music and um uh yeah and nowadays i think you have the kpop and everything so it, it is it, it's it's huge and i i really like fusion as well where uh, you're mixing the indian classical with uh, the western um i think one of the uh, songs that i really really love is taaye uh, yashoda from uh, i think shabana's movie i don't yeah. yeah morning raga that's one of my favorite uh, songs uh so like i said i don't think we can categorize this as a generational thing because um i do know a lot of old souls who listen to the blues and the country music and uh, you know the 60s music and jazz young and everything <laughs> young yeah. souls too i must add <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and i also um, agree totally with honey mm-hmm. with the um, the you know concepts that she has about uh, painting dance music and um art so um it's not that we do not uh, from our uh, generation we we accept all those things and we understand it. you know a generation before us wouldn't have wouldn't have understood they would have stuck on to their um you know their ideas about all these things so we actually per se are very very um fair we accept we accept a lot of things and we are in the groove of the new generation that's yeah. what i would like to say uh so art and music are uh 
uh, are two subjects which uh, have different meanings in different people's lives. So you can connect to it differently and I can connect to it differently. Both of us can look at the same abstract painting and have vague thoughts uh, on our own end. And it's right in our own way, right? Mm -hmm. So, and the same goes with music because there are a lot of songs or there are a lot of genres of music which you may or you may not like, which would be the same with me, you know, and may not be the same with me as well. You know, I might mm -hmm. like something, probably you might disagree. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, music and art uh, is something uh, that each individual has the freedom to choose and express according to the, their own tastes and preferences. Mm -hmm. um, connection between uh, uh, the art, uh, I mean, I think in the previous generation and the art of today, again, there's a lot of evolution that has happened. So, well, that was it for this week. I'd like to thank my mom, Surimala Manar, my aunt, Lekha Sishta, my mentor and friend, Steve Key, and two of my closest people, Honey and Sid. I'm excited that we're coming up with such interesting and fun episodes. All credit to our speakers, of course. Please keep your suggestions for episode topics coming in. It certainly makes it fun. Next week's episode is titled Why I Do What I Do. Until then, stay safe and spread the love. 